When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, let's get this rock and roll going. We've got a full week. Oh, no, we don't. That's right. We're off on Friday. You only got four days. It's a good thing you're here today because you're not getting a full week out of McMullen and McDonald's. We're going to uh, take an extensive July 4th weekend. We'll be off both Friday leading into July 4th weekend and then Monday as well on, on July 5th. So get your eagle knowledge while you can. John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. J-Mac, how was your weekend? Oh, it's pretty good, Jody. Gearing up. We're about a month away. Did we realize that? A month away from training camp, essentially. Well, at least the ramp up here to training camp. So we're getting closer. We're inching ever closer. We'll get here and be here before we know it. And then we'll be happy for it. Because um, we'll be honest with you. We're making this stuff up as we go along here. Uh, (laughs) Getting to training camp. Then the season kicks in. Then we can analyze absolutely everything. Then it'll be a piece of cake. Then then we'll have to turn you guys away at the door. Because we're just going to be too crowded here on Birds 365. No, that's just a joke. I hope you get that. Uh, Plenty of room for you on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, Thanks for asking. I had a good weekend to work too much. Uh, and you always fun- worked out. I know what you're doing. I don't have to ask what you're doing. No, you know. You know I'm on the yes. air on CBS Sports Radio yes. on the weekend. And I never really got into football stuff. The basketball stuff, a little hockey mixed in, uh, and the fact that Major League Baseball caught its first cheater um, kind of overwhelmed the football stuff I was going to get into. And on a national basis, it was going to be about Tom Brady. Um, I guess we can go there quickly. I got a specific eagle question I want to ask you, um, but let me just go there quickly. Did you see the shop? Did you watch it either uh, live on Friday night and or go back and watch it on HBO thereafter? I did not see it live, but yeah, I've seen the I've seen the clips. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't want to watch it. Live. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest. I, I was. I, yeah, I don't want I don't want any part of that show. But I have really? seen the comments. Yeah, I got to tell you, Johnny Mac. It's a good show. This was a good one, and I watched basically every episode. Yeah, it's not must-watch TV. I guess it's on Friday nights. I don't know when it's yeah, on, but why, why do you have... as a whole, I've gotten out of the HBO business, but we'll get into that. There's so really? many streaming services. Not as much. Used to be Sunday nights on HBO. That was the night. I don't know. I just don't see enough there to keep paying for this. So I got to, for now, I'll get back into it. Okay. If they ever I'm, put Curb Your Enthusiasm back on, I'm back into it. And I know you're not a fan of that show. Which not not really, no. But I am a fan of HBO. I think they do 
drama better than anybody else. Uh, any streaming service, uh, certainly ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, any of the regular networks, they're still better at it than anybody else. So I'm never giving up my HBO. And The Shop is a damn good show. Now, I didn't know when I heard all these uh, stories breaking about ooh, what Tom Brady said on The Shop. I didn't know LeBron wasn't even there. It, he he skipped this episode. It's nice to be LeBron James. You got a show on HBO. It's your show, but you don't have to necessarily show up for it. Uh, so his buddy and partner, Maverick Carter, uh, is, quote unquote, the host. There really is no host. It's just a bunch of people sitting around in barber chairs and shooting a breeze. But I got to tell you, it's a good show. When LeBron hosts it, it's good. Maverick Carter did a great job. Brady was pretty interesting. Um, I think people made a bigger deal out of what he actually said than maybe was necessary. But there was some good stuff and some uh, good debatable info included on that. You got to get back to the show, Johnny Mac. It is a good show. To, well, I love LeBron show. James. Anybody who knows me, I'm a big LeBron James guy. I think he's, uh, if any, and weirdly stated, he's underrated in NBA history. I don't know how that's humanly possible when you're the most well-rounded player who ever lived, but um, so I'm a big LeBron James fan, but the fact you brought up Maverick Carter, now there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with helping your buddies. I, it, to me, it's just too much of a, an obvious promotional vehicle. You're not getting information. You're not getting anything inside. It's, it, it's just, it's just a goal to increase the brand. So I'm not really interested in that part of it, but you know, when you get Tom Brady on and Tom Brady's very interesting He's always interesting. I don't think people realize that because he doesn't do that kind of thing very often. So to have the cachet of LeBron James, you almost have to have that to get a Tom Brady. So, any so you know, in that moment, it's great. Yeah. There's few people that can get Tom Brady to go, okay, I'll, I'll come talk. Uh, and obviously – the part that blew up was the the quote about you're sticking with that MFR, whoever, and everybody's who is it? Who is it? Pro football talk. Who is it? Who is it? They're like doing a, a subruder film trying to figure out <laughs> everybody. Ultimately, who cares? It could be every single one of them. And you it, it it fits. It fits. Whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitchell Trubisky, Ryan Tannehill, who else was in the conversation? I can't even I can't it it fits to every one of them. Right. It fits to every one of them. If you had an opportunity to go get Tom Brady, even for a one or two year window, and you thought you were on the cusp of being a contender, you made a really bad decision. That's all that matters. The right. Raiders, Derek Carr, got to throw him in there as well. Same, same here. And uh, a couple of teams that made sense and, Brady would not name the team, so we all get to speculate on it, and it is overdone. But here's why you needed to watch it. I thought more interesting than that MFR that uh, the team was sticking with that told him, yeah, we'll pass on you, Tom, was the fact that he admitted that about 90% of the time when he's talking, he's not really saying what he's thinking. Basically, he came out and said, yeah, I'm lying to the media about 90% of the time. Well, well, we I, I, take, I take more effort in trying to figure out what to say that isn't true because I don't want to give anything away. I am always about competitive advantage, and I never want to get tip my hand to what I'm actually doing or thinking. Isn't that nice to know if you're a football fan? Tom Brady, anytime you hear from him, 90% of the time he's lying. Well, it, that's everybody, Jody. 
That's everybody. That's every coach, every quarterback. Now he does it better than most. I will say this, you know, this league is so ingrained in this sentiment. I always go back to Jimmy Johnson and he, he was incredibly honest in his book and said things like, yeah, we ran three running plays, you know, uh, behind the scenes when people are talking honest, and I got to tell you, Jody, as a reporter, there is one way you can get guys to be honest. And that's not to talk about specifics, just talk about the game. You know, Bill Belichick is one of these greats. Get get Bill Belichick in a history wormhole, and he's awesome. I mean, he is unbelievable. He'll go off on these dissertations. But you ask him about this week's game and uh, this player, that player, he's not giving you anything. So you can kind of finagle it to get information. And one of the ways you can get information is to talk about the philosophy behind the game. And it's astonishing to me, Jody, because – 99% of the players say it's about execution. It's not about X's and O's. 100% of the coaches tell you that. So what is the big deal? What is this nonsense? Week after week, the CIA likes subterfuge. I think we get more honesty out of the CIA than the NFL. They're like, oh, oh, we can't tell you that. Oh, really? You really can't tell me that? You're, it's nonsense. But it's so ingrained in the culture of the game that everybody just follows along. It's like this weird inertia, like it's so important. Uh, you know, it, it, it isn't. It isn't. Run the three running plays and execute them and have Emmett Smith behind the Hall of Fame defense offensive line, right. and you're going to win the football game. Boom. That, that is, and Jimmy Johnson, you're right, was a straight shooter. He didn't, because he came from college, chances are. Uh, he wasn't ingrained in the uh, undercover work that is the National Football League. He ne needed to learn to lie like everybody else. Remind me the next time we have uh, Gary Myers on. We had on about a month ago, uh, one of the all-time best writers to ever cover the National Football League, uh, to let him tell his Bill Belichick story. He was working on something, I don't know if it was Hall of Fame related or NFL films related, but they were putting together a list or doing a video. I don't remember what it was, and I apologize for not remembering. Um, but he was part of a group that was coming together, and they were going to work on a project. And it just so happened that he put his books down at a table. They, was gonna, they were going to meet in a big conference room, and uh, he put his stuff down and sat down. And somebody had already put stuff next to him. He said, all right, well, it doesn't matter. There weren't that many empty seats left open. And he goes and sits down. Who comes down and sits next to him? He says, Bill Belichick. He's, oh, my God. And we're going to be in here for hours discussing this <laughs> up. And I'm sitting next to Belichick. How bad is this going to be? And he said, Belichick couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been more insightful. Couldn't have been more entertaining. Got off a couple of funny one-liners. He said he was like floored. Because all he knew was Bill Belichick, yeah, the yeah. Uh, say-nothing coach, the uh, Sergeant Schultz coach. I know nothing. I see nothing. Uh, and he said he was phenomenal sitting next to him for hours in this Hall of Fame uh, discussion that they were having. Uh, so remind me to ask uh, uh, Gary Myers when he comes back on to tell that story again. All right, so Belichick lies, and he says he lies about 90% of the time. How do we know he's not lying about this thing about uh, what team did or didn't want him? He could have been lying with that. Do yeah, you believe he took – did he take truth serum when he uh, sat down in the chair on the shop and he had to tell the truth? If you admit that you're a liar about 90% of the time, <laughs> why would anybody ever trust anything you ever say? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
And this, you know, there's that old uh, statement from who who said it first, I guess. I guess it was Reagan who said it first. Trust but verify. Um, and, and the case of Tom Brady, he's telling the truth for, for one major reason. There are a lot of teams who didn't want him because of his age. And they can't get over that hump. And uh, so, I, I'm to be honest, there's, you know, if you talk about all the teams that are involved in this conversation, I would say more didn't want him than more wanted him because they were fearful of the age, bottom line. And I get it. At some point, it's got to happen. We all say it every year. Um, I think, you know, there was this sort of viral thing, and I, I want to give credit to who it was, but they were saying, what what are the five movies that you've watched 10 times or more right off the top of your bat? right off the top of your head and people were putting them up there and, and one, one reporter and I forget who it is and I'll try to figure it out because I'm going to give him credit said, um, you know, some, something about Tom Brady's age, you know, made a joke about it. He's seen this movie. He's too old. He can't play. Right. And he comes back and he wins the Super Bowl. Um, but this league is so, I talked about the, the subterfuge like nature of the league. It's also, ingrained in this culture of 30 is bad 30 you're done you're done at 30 you can't pay somebody who's 31 years old well he's 43 jody so they're fighting against themselves they're like this guy can't play and then he goes out and wins the super bowl so that for that reason i believe him I had the NFL Network on before we started the show, and uh, this early in the morning, uh, they don't have a live studio show that starts till an hour before our show. So it was the football life of Jerry Rice or something like that, and it was toward the end of the show, so it's going chronologically. He was still a superstar wide receiver with the Raiders in his 40s. I actually believe it's easier to play quarterback at an elder age than it is wide receiver. Oh, it is now. It is now. They do so much to protect. I'm not sure he could have played in the 70s and 80s to this age because he he would have got beaten up, um, and he probably would be done. But you at could this say point. the same thing about wide receivers. No, you, well, you used to get crushed as a wide. You went over the middle as a wide receiver in no, the 70s okay. and 80s. You got killed. Nowadays, ooh, uh, indefensible or undefensible. What's the word? I'm no, looking yeah, for? didn't exist back then. No, I agree with you. The sport as a whole was more violent. Every position. But I do think it lends itself to quarterback more than probably most positions. Most positions, uh, with the exception of offensive line, would be a little bit different as well. And you say guys play into their late 30s as well there. You know, you think about receiver, what makes Jerry Rice so interesting, that that that's a position based on athleticism more than yeah. anything else. And that's what you lose first. So from that standpoint, he's amazing. Uh, quarterback, people can look at the athletic quarterbacks and throw any name you want out there. Kyler Murray. Uh, yeah, I guarantee if he's playing to 43, he's not going to be playing the same type of way. No. I guarantee you that. So you got to be a, a pocket quarterback um, and you're, you're protected. So you can play. It's not only Tom Brady. We've seen it with Drew Brees as well, just retiring. Phillip Rivers. Just retiring, Matt Ryan still playing, Ben Roethlisberger, all these guys. Um, but you got to play a certain way. 
Correct. And uh, that's one thing, because I, I always come to the defense of the quote-unquote running quarterback. People say, well, you can't win with a running quarterback. If you're not a pocket, well, no, uh, there are that many more running quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think the detractors have uh, shrunk in numbers because they have to, because guys are just. Oh, you uh, can win, but the shelf life is shorter. Correct. You get, you, you, you're you're not getting a 20-year yeah. Uh, running quarterback playing in the National Football League. It's just not happening. Steve Young hung around pretty long time, but he got arrested at the start of his career. He didn't yeah. break into being a starting quarterback in the National Football League until well into his career because he did the whole USFL thing and playing with Tampa, which wasn't really uh, being a starting quarterback in the league because the Bucks were so bad at that time, uh, and then sat behind Montana for a couple of years. So hey, by the way, young, real quick, Florio's just – now he's got the Dolphins – he can't stop talking about this pro football talk about that, Tom uh, Brady. Who, who the Brady mystery? was actually going to end up with Miami? No, that the Dolphins might be the Tom Brady MF or mystery team. He can't stop talking about it. Well, they drafted uh, uh, two. I don't. I don't know what to tell you, Jed. That that one makes no sense whatsoever. All right, uh, one Eagles question before you before we punch up our first guest. An old buddy of yours. He was on the beat with you, turned Davenport. With the yeah, Rod Davenport. Yeah, used to cover the Eagles, and uh, then he went down to Tennessee, Nashville, to cover the Titans for ESPN. So excited to have him! And it's apropos for a couple reasons. One, we're in preview mode. I do want to talk some Titans about him because they're such an interesting team with Julio Jones. Plus, we have the a AFC South angle with Carson Wentz. Uh, but tight end you was in Nashville, so Teron got an opportunity to head down to tight end you. We were talking about that a little bit last week. Right. Zach, Zach Ertz was there. He was there. Uh, we have photographic proof of that. <laughs> I don't know if Dallas Goddard was there. So I, I want to I see if Teron saw him, but I don't know if he was there. That is the question I wanted to bring to you. I'm looking forward to talking to Mr. Davenport as well. Um, we're one day closer to the Eagles trading Zach Ertz. Releasing Zach Ertz, or actually, I'll choose my words carefully here, screwing Zach Ertz by saying, we expect you to show up at camp, Mr. Ertz. We haven't been able to trade you yet. Uh, we think that you, because both the uh, new tight end coach and Harry Roseman and the head coach have all said at one point or another, you know, Zach Ertz is still a good football player, and Zach Ertz could help us win. And we would be perfectly fine with bringing Zach Ertz back. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, we're we're headed toward one of those scenarios. Something's going to happen either tomorrow, next week. By the time camp opens up, uh, we're going to have to. And one step can certainly lead to another, but one's got to kick in first. Is it trade? Is it release? Or guess what, Zach, you're back. Well, I, obviously, the most uh, the most desirous scenario for the Eagles would be trade. Uh, and then I think if, if you're putting the three together, release would be next. The least likely is him showing up July 27th and being in the mix. I don't think the Eagles want that to happen. I don't think I know Zach doesn't want that to happen. So I think that's the least likely. But, boy, that's the most interesting. I put it about maybe 10% uh, that will actually be forced to show up. Uh and we'll see if he shows up at that point. Then you, so many things enter the mix. His wife is going to be in uh, Tokyo for the Olympics. Who knows? He can kind of finagle it that way. 
you know, both sides can agree. Hey, you know what? Let's pretend you're going to come in uh, at some point, but try to work on the trade. And, you know, the morbid side of this, Jody, we're talking about tight end you. The morbid part of this is, you know, the Eagles are hoping for an injury somewhere yeah. and a desperate team, unfortunately. That, now, that's how give, horrible this injury Give me the details is. again um, about the fact that if you miss time in preseason, once camps open up, you absolutely get fined, and there's no relieving that fine. There's no forgiving that yeah. fine, that it's hard and fast. Missed time means you're missing money in your salary. Um, when does that kick in? Is that uh, from day one or only day, during day games? One. Or- day one from when you have to report under the new CBA, which just started, obviously. Uh, back in the old days when you had holdouts and even before, before you had the rookie cap, you know, people would make a big deal out of the fines, but the the wink wink was, well, we'll just waive the fines when he come in. And that's what would always happen. Now, under the new CBA, and the players union is taking a lot of heat for this, it, you can't waive those fines. Uh, even if the team agrees to it, even if the team wants to, they cannot waive those fines. Obviously, from the league's perspective, they want to try to limit holdouts as much as possible. And from the union's perspective, probably should have fought a little bit harder, but they didn't. Right. And that's the position that Zach Ertz may well be in. Like John said at the start of the show, I think it's 29 days until the first day of camp. So uh, the back and forth, the who's going to blink first, will continue for a minimum of another 29 days. I don't know that they're going to get a trade done. And if the Eagles are going to release him, they would have already done it. What's the sense in holding on to him if you've come to the realization, hey, we've been shopping him for uh, two months now and we've gotten exactly no nibbles. We got to get on with our life. We got to do the right thing by a star player for the organization for years. With his life, we got to release him. If they're going to do that, they already would have done it. So if a trade doesn't happen, this is going to a minimum, at least the first day of camp. It's unfortunate. And yes, you're going to listen to the Mac and Mac guys bring it up yeah. every single day here on Birds 365 until there is some kind of resolution. All right, uh, let's take our first break. We'll talk about tight end U, which transpired last week down in uh, Louisiana, uh, Louisiana, in Tennessee. Uh, uh, Teron Davenport, who covered the Birds years ago, USA Today. Now the Titans beat reporter was in Nashville for a tight end U. We'll see if he had a chance to talk to Zach Gertz, he'll certainly give us some info on what they accomplished this past week down in Nashville. He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. You're right here with us on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. 
Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. My partner, John McMullen, me, Jody McDonald, a football Monday, which, uh, remember, it's only a four-day week this week. Uh, we're going to take the uh, lengthy weekend off Friday leading into July 4th weekend, and Monday, the day after the 4th of July, falls on a Sunday, which, again, uh, I work wacky schedules. You're an NFL writer, so your schedules are... Uh, uh, kind of out the window as compared to everybody else in the world. Uh, so we work on different time frames than everyone else. But for all you regular people out there, when 4th of July falls on a Sunday, I feel bad for everybody because it's a holiday and Sundays are already days off to begin with. Now, most companies will honor that and give you the Monday off on July 5th anyway. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to take July 5th off as well. Um, but uh, hopefully everybody enjoys their 4th of July weekend. And it tells us that NFL camps are just around the corner and the Eagles are now less than a month away from getting it underway. Uh, have you already laid out your itinerary for all of July, John? Uh, no, not yet. And that's the problem. We don't even have the schedule yet. And by the way, speaking of scheduling, I'm trying to get to Ron, but uh, um, yeah, so we don't even have the schedule from the Eagles yet. Uh, how? So it's pretty difficult to, to lay it out. And we have some scheduling to do because I got to be down there. I got to be at Birds 365. So if the Eagles are listening, can you please put yeah, up get that schedule out for Johnny Mac? What the hell yeah. are you doing, dragging your feet? Exactly. You're making McMullen's life more difficult. Yeah. 
It's it's always something, Jody. It's always something. All right. Uh, we're waiting on uh, Teron Davenport. Uh, hopefully he joins us sometime in the next couple of minutes. Uh, former Eagle Beat guy now covering the Titans. And it was at the tight end U gathering this weekend that Zach Ertz was in attendance for us. So we got a couple of interesting things we can discuss with Teron when we get him on. Um, I did want to ask you this. I don't even know why it dawned on me this weekend because I'm always coming back to thinking of things that maybe you and I can discuss here on Birds 365 and uh, Miles Sanders came into my line of thought and I just went back and checked Miles Sanders' numbers last year and his rookie year and realized damn he had a drop off in a specific aspect of his game last year he ran the football actually ran the football better his second year than his first year which is the way you would think most players would go um, everybody starts off and they build up. And then at some point there's a natural belt curve and it comes back down when age starts to kick in and it kicks in earlier with running backs than two positions. We've already discussed today, quarterback and wide receiver where guys at the very top of the game can play into their forties. That's just not the case with running backs. Uh, there is a wall that you hit it's over and done with. Um, but his 5.3 yards per uh, carry last year was the seventh best in the National Football League, which was pretty damn good when you think about it. So a lot of people have a expectation and a rating of Miles Sanders coming into the season. Eagle fans specifically, very high on the young man, as am I. But I realized, damn, did he drop off in the passing game last year? He was significantly better as a rookie catching the ball out of the backfield than he was as a sophomore or second-year player catching the ball out of the backfield. And the drop-off was significant. Um, goes from, uh, what, like uh, 500 and change yards down to 197. I'd, uh, less than half of what he had achieved the year before in the passing game. Why such a big drop-off? Well, and we're going to bring on Teron Davenport here in a second from ESPN covering the Titans. But I, I would say, Jody, we'll get to this after Toronto a little bit. It, everybody talks about that improvement from, from year one to year two. And people were so excited about Moss because he wasn't asked to catch the football a ton at Penn State. And he's saying like a natural pass catcher. And he took a step back. Even Deuce Daly said it. Deuce Daly admitted it when he was here. Uh, and that's surprising because Deuce – you know, isn't going to call out his players a little bit much. But that's how much they they respect Miles Sanders and they think he has ability to bring that part of his game uh, up to a, an elite level. And it just didn't happen. But I do want to say hello. Are you there, Teron? Teron, do we have you? Now he's on mute, Sander. There we go. I'm, I'm here. Can you guys hear there me? There he goes. Hey, Teron. Good to All hear right. you. Hey, good to hear you guys, man. It feels like I'm listening to Philly radio again, man. <laughs> a warm and fuzzy feeling, man. How's everything with you? It's it's going well. I really appreciate it, Teron. Uh, one of the reasons uh, we want to talk about the Titans AFC South because that's a big thing in, in, in Eagle land because of Carson Wentz. But yeah. first, I do want to talk about tight end university because tight end has been a big uh, a sort of drama around Philadelphia. Uh, and that's because the assumption is the Eagles are going to move on from Zach Ertz, go in the direction of Dallas Goddard as the tight end one. But just talk about tight end university. You were you were able to get there. What Travis Kelsey, George Kittle kind of put together. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you guys, 
it was awesome just getting to watch those guys just go out and teach different things, whether it's at the release point, the top of the route, even within the route. And I, I just like I was in heaven. And, and, and John, you you know how we watch practice, you know, how yeah. we focus on different things and just seeing Travis Kelsey compare uh, coming out of the top of his route to being like a pitcher and, and just like exploding off of the mound and, and just watching him teach the guys about footwork and how to plant your foot and, and rip your elbow and, and come out of that break. It, it was, it was great, man. And, and even Darren Waller, it, you know, he's a guy I, I was in Baltimore when he was a receiver coming out of Georgia tech and he obviously wasn't that good of a receiver. He got released, you know, but the Raiders snapped him up and they put him at tight end. And it's really interesting because as a, as a six, six tight end, he moves better than he did as a receiver. And it, it's just watching him now is so much different than watching him before. And the, the guy, like he moves like a, like a little man, you know, yeah. and it just, that's kind of like a testament to how confidence really goes a long way for, for an NFL player because everybody at that level is talented, but it's just a matter of feeling like you're that guy. That's what makes you go out and perform. And, and you know, that's something that these tight ends were, were doing, just uplifting each other. Zach Ertz, I mean, listen, he could still run that post and that slant with the best of them. So it was great just seeing him and just catching up with him. And then you got Jordan Matthews converting. Yeah. You know, and, and How about that? He, yeah. He put on, you know, he put on a good 20, 25 pounds. And he actually still could move like like a receiver, like how he used to. We, we know Jordan Matthews was never like the most agile and, and fast guy, but, you know, he could still move like a receiver. And I, I told him, I was like, yeah, man, you 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 definitely you definitely put the weight on it. You could see it in him. So yeah, it was just a great experience, man. And I apologize for rambling, but I just like I, I was I was in heaven, man. I, I didn't want it to end. Don't apologize because uh, we we can hear your passion and uh, we appreciate that appreciate that here on Bridge Three Sixty Five. I'm gonna play wet blanket, okay? Uh oh. Um, watching <laughs> this weekend on the shop, Tom Brady, uh, greatest of all time. Call him whatever you want. Uh, we know, all know what he's achieved. He said that about 90% of the time when he's talking, he's lying. That he's telling you something that he's not really thinking. That that's ingrained in him that he's never tipping his hand on what's actually being done or discussed or he's thinking about it as he's, as he's continuing to play and try and beat the opposition. This was a bunch of tight ends getting together and they're all the opposition. Hmm. They're not on the same team. Yet they're sharing trade secrets on how to get better, how to be better. They do realize that these guys are going to line up against them in the upcoming season or seasons going forward. And they're going to try and use the information they're getting here to beat their teams. Did either of the guys, uh, Kittle or Kelsey, who are running this thing, talk about that? That, hey, we're tight ends and we're actually tighter than we are with our teams. It seems somewhat counterproductive in my mind. Yeah, well, it it's not really counterproductive because the goal, and in talking to George Kittle, really what he said the most important thing was to uplift and, and make the tight end a better position. You know, because frankly, they feel that position has been disrespected, right, and is devalued. And if you look at it, he's kind of right. Greg Olson said it perfectly when he, he said, you know, as a tight end, you got to line up and block $90 million pass rushers. But then sometimes you are flexed or, or line up outside the numbers 
and you got to run routes against $90 billion cornerbacks. But they don't get paid $90 million themselves. So, you know, that's really what it was about, just making everybody better. And, you know, not everybody has that Tom Brady approach, right, where it's like, you know, you're saying some of the things and thinking some of the things that, that he does. And those guys, they just wanted to make each other better. And that's what they did because you saw different – you know, different guys take over different drills. You know what I mean? Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson, they, for the most part, you know, did most of the drills. George Kittle would lead the drills and, and do it. But each of these guys wanted to make sure that they shared their different things that, that helped them because, you know, it wasn't individual. It was it was for the team. And, you know, football is the ultimate team sport anyway. So if you're not really thinking team, you're not really going to be successful. And I think that's really why – that whole event was successful and Tom Brady, his comments, they, they were interesting, but you know, Tom Brady, he, he's uh, you know, he, he beats to a different drum. Hey, Teron, you set me down a wormhole with that Darren <laughs> Waller, because I remember the Ravens were here for joint practices yeah, when yeah. he was a young receiver at six, and he just beat the brakes off of every cornerback at that practice for the Eagles. And you said to yourself, who the heck is this guy? Yep. Six foot six, just going over people, catching everything. And yeah, he just needed to shift positions and he became a superstar. So you see that. But what to to Jody's point, Teron, you know, Von Miller kind of started this thing. Yes. Pass rushing academy. And then, you know, Duke Mayweather and, and Lane Johnson's a big part of that, the offensive line masterminds. Mm-hmm. This is this is like a cottage industry almost with NFL players. They've, they've scaled back on the offseason so much. The great players know they got to work out on their own. They got to get better. So to me, yeah. this just speaks to peers respecting each other. That's how yeah, I kind absolutely. of. Yeah, yeah. Bottom line, that's what it, it ends up being, you know, guys respecting each other. And uh, with that, as you mentioned, the, the training, how it's been scaled down at the facility and, and stuff like that. And obviously, they still want you there, you know, like AJ Brown. You know, I know, you know from talking to him that he's in and out of the building almost every day during the offseason. And uh, that is something I know Coach Rabel is very excited about and happy about. So don't get it twisted. Even though it's scaled back, they want the guys there. But what you're seeing is, is as you mentioned, Duke May- Manyweather, you, you know, him actually being a big part of, of what they're doing. Chuck Smith being a big part of what the – pass rushing summit is doing and now even here you have uh jeremy holt who is a guy that uh and that's why it's here in nashville he trained uh kittle for like the last three years during the offseason and it's funny uh you know that nashville bug it will bite you and, and you fall in love with this city quickly and that's what happened to kittle and now he lives here but jeremy holt of athlete training it's athlete like that um he is a guy that trains a lot of the the tight ends wide receivers He's one of those footwork guys, you know, and speed and conditioning. So you see these type of entities uprising all over the place. And, and that's something that's tied into like specialty coaches. That's also something. But it's crazy because, you know, the guys come together and they do this training. And if you get hurt, it, you know, Jawan James, we saw the situation with yeah. him. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really interesting the balance, right? Because I will tell you, those guys, they were out there getting it in. It, it wasn't like it was just some little 
okay, walkthrough type thing. No, they were out there busting it. So it, it's really interesting to me that guys are willing to do that, knowing how these teams, you, you know, <laughs> they preach team in the locker room, but it ain't team in the front office. You feel me? So yeah, they will release you in a second or, or do whatever they got to do. And that's that's just like that's a, an interesting uh, wormhole that we could go down. We don't need to. But uh, it's, it's a dynamic that a lot of people don't realize exists in the NFL. Teron, it sounds like you guys got plenty of time to observe what these guys were doing, the drills they were going through, how the teaching yeah. and sharing of information was going down on the field between the lines. How much access, if any, did you have to the guys to be able to talk to them afterwards, to maybe ask them some questions? Was it a specific time period? Was it you're on your own, get them running to their cars or whatever else? How did it yeah. work? Any access you had to the players? Yeah, well, Jody, I tell you, uh, it was awesome because, frankly, it was just NFL films and myself. <laughs> That's it. You know, and, and I got there and they're like, hey, man, it, you know, if you want a guy, just just grab him. And, you know, uh, I was like, hey, could I take pictures, video? And they said, sure. So it was more or less just just rock out, <laughs> do oh, what yeah. you do. And uh, I even and it's funny because. They after after they went through the stretch period, they had a moment. You know, some of the guys had to run over and, and, and change their cleats or do whatever they had to do. And I saw Jordan uh, Matthews, and I'm talking to Jordan, and Zach Ertz walks over, and I see Zach Ertz, and I'm talking to him. So it was essentially just like in between, um, you, you know, reps or, or even sessions, periods, whatever. You could go ahead and and, and talk to them. Uh, you know, I caught up with a, a lot of guys. You know, I I got to talk to Darren Waller. You know, and he's someone that, as I said, back 2000, what, 15 with Baltimore, you know, we, we I knew him from there. So it was cool getting to catch up with him. Um, it, there was there were just a bunch of guys. And a quick interesting story about Waller, uh, the Ravens actually were trying to hide him. And the whole way the Raiders, what, to your point, uh, John, about seeing him out there doing his thing, well, one of the Raiders uh, scouts or whatnot was watching – uh, Waller go through the pregame workout, you, you know, the pre pregame when you're, it's yeah, just you yeah. and the quarterback out there. And they were like, good gracious. Who's that big guy that moves like that? And they just, you know, they kept him on the radar and you know how the, the roster thing goes week to week. So they, they, the Ravens one week dropped him off the roster so they could bring another guy up and the Raiders snapped him up. So that's a quick story how Waller ended up in, in uh, Oakland. Well now Las Vegas, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it was just great. Just, Getting a talk, I caught up with Delaney Walker, uh, a couple of the Titans tight ends, you know, uh, Anthony Ferkster, Michael Pruitt, who's now in San Francisco. There are a bunch of guys, man. Uh, Eric Ebron, um, Kyle Pitts. I mean, it, you had access to any of the guys just as far as like small talk. But then yeah. afterwards, uh, because Lipscone Academy is actually a Catholic school, Bud Light sponsored, they were one of the main sponsors. And they had a, a – I don't know if you saw, uh, John, my, my post where I had uh, George Kittle. He was talking about Bud Light, and I had one yeah. of, of him in the, in, the, uh, in the ice bath. So what they did was <laughs> afterwards, um, you know, across the street, one of the coaches, a linebacker coach, he has a house there. And what they did was just have a, a setup there, you know, and the guys after their, their Thursday workout on the field, they went in and did yoga and then they came across the street and, you know, you could get your Bud Light seltzer, Bud Light, all of that. And, you know, nice. it's funny because if you remember after the Super Bowl, the Eagles Super Bowl, I had asked Lane Johnson 
what he what is he going to do about his promise right to get a city but like yeah, yeah, that's what he yeah, told yeah. us in august yeah. you know and and it was really funny because they actually remembered me answering that question you know <laughs> so it, it was yeah I, i'm telling you like it was outside of you know a handful of games it was one of my best experiences that i could recall as a reporter you know and i, I couldn't help it I, I got out and you know it was kind of not getting involved in the drills, but just kind of like really yeah. in them and on top of them. It, it was, it was just fun. You know, like where the guys would catch the ball and I would try to punch it out or something like that. But it, that's how it is, man. Like I can't be on a football field, like literally on a football field and not, not participate, man. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's not in my DNA to, to <laughs> not do that. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Teron played receiver in, in college. So he's still got some uh, ability. I can't do that, but I can watch <laughs> very closely. But, uh, Teron, we got to ask you because it is Burst 365. So was the small talk with Zach Ertz, was it about Julie going to the Olympics? Was it about Bud Light? Or is it about I want to be in Buffalo with a contender? <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, it, it, we did talk about Julie going to the Olympics because I asked him what he had on his schedule for the next little bit. And he just, I, of course, you know, the reporter in me, right? That, that's yeah. that's now in my DNA. I had to ask him about it, but he was he just kind of like casually uh, slithered through the question. You know, as as a seasoned vet, I'm sure that he's experienced with doing that. But I, I did ask him, you know, because I asked him from a Titans perspective because even though I feel Anthony Ferks is a, a really good tight end, he, he's not really an inline guy. Whereas Zach, you know, you could do whatever you want with him. So I definitely felt he would mix into the offense. So I wanted to ask him about that, but he just said, oh, you know, everything is just kind of taking his process and he's just waiting. Uh, he did the old Dodge thing. Not surprising. That's right. That's right. The, the he Eagles hit me, hit me doing the Matrix, exact same man. thing here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, did uh, Julio Jones show up at tight end you? He's a new guy. He's got downtime in Tennessee. I thought maybe we know he's not actually a tight end, but hey, if it's football and it's in his new hometown, I thought maybe he'd stop by. Um, yeah, no Julio Jones sighting this weekend. No, no Julio Jones sighting, even though he would have fit right in. I mean, that guy, this, this was my first time seeing him up close, uh, for uh, an extended period of time. Like I've seen him pregame and, oh yeah, look, there's Julio. Let me see what he does. But watching him, it was, it was, it was awesome because, you know, the thing that, that stood out to me was, you know, the first time I got to see him, it was involuntary. And this guy is a borderline Hall of Famer. And he called Mike Vrabel um, and said, hey, look, man, coach, I'm going to be there on Wednesday and I'm practicing on Thursday. And he went out there and just watching him. Now, initially, like I look at things a little bit more closely than a lot of people. So there were some things I, I felt that he needed to clean up. Like when they're running box drills, the, the, the four cone drill, you know, he wasn't really hugging the cone as, and, and as crisp as, as I would have thought a guy like Julio Jones would would be. But after seeing him a couple more practices, those type of things, they, they kind of bounced out and he started to become more used to it. But I, I'm going to tell you what impressed me the most about Julio Jones. And it was the way, even from the first practice, he's taking guys and pulling them aside and saying, you know, when you get to the top of your route, hit these three steps, pop, 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 and then swing this way. Or, you know what I mean? Like the different things that he was telling the, the receivers, just being able to pull them aside and be, 
comfortable enough with them to give them <laughs> tips and, and techniques. I mean, that's something that really stood out to me. And then even the communication with Ryan Tannehill after after routes and, and reps and et cetera, uh, there was a, an example like in team period the one time I, I saw Tannehill go to Julio Jones after the play and kind of like make that motion, like wide it, widen it out. And you could tell that it was like a, a – a layered route combo where he had to move the linebacker a bit. So the crossing route from the other side could come underneath, but it was just really cool just seeing that. And then they came back to it a few plays later and it was perfectly executed. So uh, yeah, man, if you're, if you're not excited about Julio Jones being on the team, you cover that. I mean, you might want to change to a different, different line of business because you know, that's more eyes on your work. And it just makes as a fan of football, period, it's a lot more fun to watch a team that, that is, is balling as opposed to a team that's struggling. Yeah. We went through that last year, Teron. It is yeah. not fun. But we let's talk about the Titans now. Ryan Tannehill's got everything he needs. If you look at uh, a bell cow back and Derrick Henry, you mentioned Julio Jones is now there with A.J. Brown. I think a lot of people forget Josh Reynolds is there as well. Uh, so, you know, Josh Reynolds is a guy who's never going to see a, a, a double team in his life in theory. So he's going to be able to do some things uh, with that offense. Jody and I have sort of a, a disagreement on Ryan Tannehill. I, I think since he's gotten away from Adam Gase, he's turned yeah. into one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. You get to see him every day. Is Ryan Tannehill a product of those skill position players, or is he the real deal? I think, you know, John, what it goes back to what I said about confidence. And Ryan Tannehill is a much more confident player now. And when you are confident, you feel like you have someone that believes in your ability and someone that really puts you in the right situation to excel. You have no choice but to excel. And I think that's what has happened with him. And you just see the confidence in some of the things that he does. Whereas before, I mean, you remember when Mike Wallace went to the Dolphins? Yeah. You know, and it was supposed to be a big deal and everything was supposed to be great. And Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> he feels Ryan Tannehill, you know, messed his career up. You know what I mean? So yeah. now you have a guy who's so willing to push the ball down the field. You look at some of the games, like the, the last regular season game, A.J. Brown catches a 50-yard post and that sets them up for the game-winning field goal. Whereas before he wasn't doing that. And even the, the rare times where he did, it wasn't as accurate as it is now. I mean, the play action drop shots to the corner routes, play action, direct strikes to the post. So I think that's, what's different. First and foremost is the confidence. And then along with that, he and Arthur Smith, they were really on the same wavelength. Whereas every week they would tell, it was kind of like coach, coach Reich and, and Peterson and, and, and coach, um, Oh, man. John DiPolippo. DiPolippo, yeah, Coach Flip. It was like those three with Carson, whereas they would meet. Okay, this is what we want up on the call sheet this week. This is what we don't. What do you like this week? Yeah, I like this. Let's put this on there. That's exactly what it was with Arthur Smith. And I asked Tannehill a few times about that synergy, and, and he said that, you know, Coach Smith was the most willing and cooperative offensive coordinator he's ever had. So it's just like anything, right? You're comfortable doing your job, so you talk and, and your flow as well, and, and you're very informative. It's just the same because you're confident, you're comfortable. And I think that's just the same thing with him. And then end of the day, right, think about this. 
you have a city paying you $5 million to get out of town. That's what the Dolphins did. Here, man, take this $5 million and, and get up out of here because we, we don't want you being our quarterback. That's yeah. humiliating, yeah. right? So sometimes yeah. you know, when we get on that little high horse or whatnot, you need to be humbled. And when you're humbled, you know, what happens? Your heart is open, right? Your mind is open. You're willing to accept whatever it is that somebody has to impart upon you. And then above all else, you have nothing to lose, right? And, and when you have nothing to lose, if you got any type of dog in you, you're going to go out and, and do your job to the fullest. And I, I think that's what it is with Tannehill. And now he's just playing with confidence and just uh, all the athletic ability is there. And I, I mean, I believe he's a top 10 quarterback and I'm somebody that really thought the Dolphins were crazy for taking him where they did. Yeah. Let, let me follow up on that. Um, without Derrick Henry, uh, not only would he not be a top 10 quarterback, he wouldn't be a top 20 quarterback. He wouldn't be a top 30 quarterback. I'm not even thinking. Whoa, see what I, see what I mean, <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, yeah. Joe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. if, if I had Derrick Henry as an option yeah. on offense, I think I could have a 90 quarterback rating in the National Football League. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, uh, but you made a good point about uh, the great relationship between he and his coaching staff. Well, Coach Smith is no longer there. He's now yeah. down in Atlanta as their head coach. So Todd Downing steps in as the new offensive coordinator. Sounds like he's ready for the job and he's got a good relationship with Tannehill. But after Frank Reich left, we've been talking about it here, Philadelphia Airways either be the radio or here on Birds 365 since we got started. Frank Reich is the reason why Carson Wentz went in a tank. No longer having Frank Reich is why Doug Peterson is no longer the coach. When he went out the door to go to Indianapolis, all of a sudden the Eagles offense went backwards. Mm. Are you looking at the same situation in Tennessee? Does Arthur Smith relocating to Atlanta have the same kind of an effect in uh, Tennessee that Frank Reich's leaving in Philadelphia had here? You know, that's a good question. And the thing is, like, I always try to look at stuff objectively. So you, you look at the good and the bad. And I think really the one thing that's going to be different with Todd Downing as opposed to Arthur Smith is just the relentless dedication to the run. And there are games where I could remember the Titans were down nine points, 14 points, two scores, right? And it's the fourth quarter. And – They'll start a series and they'll go shoe to shoe and just provide a healthy dose of Derrick Henry. And all you see is the momentum being snatched. It's like, dang, you're, you're down two points. What the heck? I mean, two scores. What the heck? Why, why are you running the football? But Arthur Smith would just stick to it because they, he had that understanding that and that patience, right? To, to know, okay, yeah, Derrick's going to go negative two. He's going to go negative one. He's going to go five. He's going to go negative two. And then a 70 yard run. And if you look at the box scores, like, oh, yeah, he had a good day. When he didn't necessarily have a good day, he had some, a few good plays. But Arthur Smith had that ability, that wherewithal to stick to that run, knowing at some point it's going to pop. That's what I want to see if Todd Downing is going to do because like, it's, it's tough. It's tough sticking to the run and, and, and doing that when you're down by multiple scores. But I, I think, you know, for the most part, and talking to the people that, that I've talked to, the whole thing about that was continuity. They wanted to keep the scheme familiar because they felt like the offense had a very nice flow. And, I mean, you've, they're right. They were averaging 30-plus a game last year, which was, what, third in, in, in the league. So I, I think they're going to be fine. And, and one of the things that stands out, and I asked Coach Downing about this, is remember, we mentioned Coach Flip earlier, right? Well, Coach Flip was the OC for Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. 
remember Ty Downing coach, he was an OC for um, what's the linebacker Jack, uh, Jack Del Rio in Oakland. So I say all those to, to say he's been in situations where he's seen guys get in a little bit of trouble for not being dedicated to the run. And as you know, when you have defensive minded head coaches, one of the first, you got to be able to run the football. I need you to help my defense, right? Uh, we're going against the Chiefs. You know, it, look, we need to be able to run the football and control the clock, time of possession. And I think having seen Coach Flip, you know, be scapegoated and 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 fired as an OC in, in Minnesota, I, I think he understands that, hey, it's important to run the football. It's important to have that balance on offense. And uh, he understands that. And that's, that's a good thing. So I think they're still going to run the football. I don't know it's going to be the same. And, and frankly, Derrick Henry, last, I mean, the guy had 400 carries collectively yeah. last year. Yeah. The year before, we're talking about 380. And I, I could give you stories of, of Henry during practice that would, you know, have you think like, yeah, man, a guy may not be from this planet, but at the same time, <laughs> you still, I don't know, 400 carries is 400 carries. And he's not always getting hit, yeah. you, you know what I mean? But it's just that that wears and tears on you. Yeah. So you definitely need to maintain that and balance it. Yeah, you've seen it with Ezekiel Elliott as well. You saw that kind of drop off. It always happens at the running back position. Uh, last one from me, Teron. Thrilled to have you on. Good to talk to you. Um, Carson Wentz, man. You mm. mentioned Ryan Tannehill. The Dolphins paid him $5 million to get out of town. Well, Shepard Lurie ate $33.8 million <laughs> to get Carson Wentz out of town. Imagine uh, that, man. Yeah, imagine that. Now, Teron, you wrote a book about Carson Wentz. You've seen yes, the sir. highs of Carson Wentz. Uh, and now we're at the lows. But now he's going to be in that AFC South with Tennessee. How are people yeah. taking it? How do you think it's going to work with Frank Reich and the Colts? Yeah, I mean, the Titans fans, it's interesting. They're, they're different from Eagles fans, right? Uh, I don't think there's a more passionate fan base than than than, than the Eagles fans. And, and obviously, that's documented. But there's some who, who can't wait to see their team go against them. And others are like, oh, shoot, how is he going? Because they're thinking of that 2017 wins. Well, yeah. it, you know, that's – that's a few years ago. So it, it's obviously not the same. You, you have the divorce from the Eagles. You also have the injury. And he, he's he's not the same player, right? So unfortunately for Wentz, it's it's a bit of a different um, like approach dynamic that he's dealing with because he's not as athletic as he was, you know, but he still has that mindset and he plays with that go-get-it type of stuff. And And, you know, for me, like watching him, you know, it's it's third, it's second and two, and second and five, we'll just say, and he'll get four yards, and he'll dive or take yeah. a line, take on a linebacker head on to try to get the extra yard. When it's like, my man, you got a two hundred pound running back, right? That's paid to do that. Live to see another down. Give him the football. Let him get that extra yard, and you live to see another down or, or even, you know, the rest of the game. And I think that's the thing that Frank Wright is going to have to balance. And I believe Press Taylor is there too. So he'll have a yeah. couple of familiar faces with him. I, I think it's going to work for him. Like obviously that 2016 and 2017 Wentz, we're not, I don't think we're going to see that again, you know? So it, it's, it's going to be a bit different from those years, but I think he can do enough like to keep everything moving. But everybody points at the offensive line and just how that's supposed to be really good. And I get what they're saying. But remember, Anthony Costano, their left tackle. And you guys know from 
the last couple of years with yeah. the ups and downs yeah. and, and the in and out of, of Jason Peters, man, left tackle is important. So yeah. Costanzo's gone. They signed Eric Fisher, but he has an Achilles, and it was a late Achilles, so there's no telling when he comes back. And even when he does come back, you know, the Achilles, that's the biggest tendon in your body. So it takes yeah. a while to get where you need to be, and especially when you're 300-plus. So long yeah, story I think, short. I think, I think to Ron, everybody thinks Quentin Nelson can, can block all five people. Yeah, hey, <laughs> take listen, care of let me tell you something. Hey, let me tell you something about Quentin Nelson. If you, you want to know how good Jeffrey Simmons is, the Titans' yeah. D tackle, go back and watch the 2019, the second game. It was like the third from the last game. I think it was like week week 14, I want to say. But get your fire up your NFL game pass, watch the tight end zone view, and watch how Jeffrey Simmons folded him like a banquet chair multiple times. Really? You know, Jeffrey, so Jeffrey's to your point, like, yeah. like everybody says that that Quentin Nelson, you know, he could block and he's good. Like, don't get me wrong, but you know, I've seen Jeffrey Simmons give him exactly what he needed. So, but that offensive line, like it's getting a lot of a lot of talk, rightfully so, because Ryan Kelly is pretty good too, but yeah. You know, I, I don't know that that alone will be the savior for for Wentz. And, I mean, you look at all the sacks he took at, in, in Philly, right? It's not always the offensive line's fault. You know, sometimes the quarterback holds the ball and doesn't believe it when he sees it and those type of things. So it, I, I, it's going to be interesting just watching the whole thing work out. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I always love uh, uh, watching the Colts and Titans because it's like it's become such a rivalry. And it's it's pretty cool to watch. Will be a good uh, matchup this year because uh, it'll be those two for the divisional title, which they yeah. tied for last year. Once again, this upcoming season. All right, Teron, my last thing. It's not a question so much as it is a favor about a question. As you can probably tell, uh, no mullet look here. I am woefully jealous of anybody who's got good hair. And <laughs> Derrick Henry plays with those just dreads flying out the back of his yeah. helmet. And he's one of the toughest guys in the National Football League. If you're not tackling Derrick Henry correctly, oh, you're going to end up paying a price. But okay. still, when I watch him play every single week, I go, damn, somebody's going to grab a hold of his hair. Uh, you can't tackle him by trying to wrap him up. So why don't you just <laughs> grab a chunk of the hair behind the helmet and pull him down by – and I'm always worried the damn guy's going to get hurt because that hair is coming – tremendously out of the back of the helmet. If you could, ask him a question. Even feel free to put me on the spot and go, my idiot friend in Philly told me to ask you this question. Are, do you worry at all when you play that somebody's going to grab a hold of that hair? I'm, it's been years now, and I've been waiting for somebody to do it, and nobody has. How the hell does he play with his hair like that and not sweat it? Yeah, well, honestly, it's it's tightly tightly wrapped. And, it, it I mean, it does stick out. It comes down, like, just a little past the nameplate. But here's the thing with football. That's that's something you can't play that without any doubt or hesitation, because if you do, then you're going to get hurt. You know, so you just got to it's it's like um, one of my running back coaches in, in college. Right. He would all for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Always uh, tell us, you know, no nuts, no glory. And that's really how it works, man. Like, if you don't go out there with that mindset, you're going to get hurt. But I say this, though, to his defense, uh, they have, they take this helmet. I actually did a feature on this a couple years ago. So they have a helmet and it's attached to a, a broomstick, right? And during practice, like when they're going through individual period, Derek Henry, will he'll hold the football with one hand. And coach Tony Dew is a running back coach who is an outstanding coach. By the way, uh, he coached at Millersville for a bit, but he's here, you know, coaching the running backs. He'll have the, the helmet on a stick and he's jabbing it at Derek Henry and, He's just practicing the stiff arm. So, like, what he did to Josh Norman, like, that's not accidental. That is something that he worked on doing. But the thing that's really interesting to me is they kind of modified it to where, you know, I talked to Derek, and he told me, like, he developed, like, a, a, a pump fake stiff arm. Like, he'll, he'll put it one way and then do it again, like, direct to kind of throw the guys off as they're trying to tackle him. So that's just a part of his repertoire. And while he's doing that, Mike Vrabel is with him with the boxing gloves, punching – at the football trying to yeah. get it out so yeah. they definitely there's a lot of extra stuff that a lot of people don't see from not being at practice and and, and don't understand like how much that goes into like a lot of the stuff you see on Sundays it's not accidental it, it's it's something that's that's worked on he's a stone cold beast nobody argues that uh Toronto it's great having you on uh, we appreciate you giving us some good stories and insight from tight end you yeah for sure Unfortunately, Tennessee and uh, Philadelphia don't play this year because we'd love to have you on the week of the game. That would be uh, phenomenal. Uh, We will be thinking about you when Carson Wentz tears (laughs) up the Titans this year. No, I don't think that's happening. I think the Titans are going to tear up Carson Wentz, but that's just me. Uh, Thanks for coming on, buddy. We appreciate it greatly, and we'll certainly get you on again down the road. Yeah, you guys got it, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Ron. To Ron Davenport, who was on the beat with Johnny Mack for years for USA Today, now down in Tennessee covering the Titans. All right, Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, coming back next hour, or now, well, later this hour, we'll be joined by our buddy Jimmy Kemsky, who went through his entire dumpster fire columns this past week. Some of the most fun reading you get uh, all off season uh, during the downtime of your Philadelphia Eagles. We'll go back over some of the stuff that J.K. Uh, wrote last week. Fun stuff. Uh, Jimmy Kemsky, uh, you is coming up in about 15 minutes here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. 
and keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. You're Mac and Mac guys here hanging out with you on 365 Monday edition. We'll be here till Thursday this week. Uh, a little bit of a long weekend for us and hopefully for you guys too. Uh, July 4th weekend coming up, uh, which means we're getting that much o- uh, closer to the opening of camp for the Philadelphia Eagles and their 2021 season. Uh, again, let us thank uh, Teron Davenport for hopping out with us. Uh, great job. Good dude. Uh, gave us some really good insight on a bunch of different topics. And I promise we will have Teron on again. Uh, Jimmy Kemsky is going to join us in less than... 15 minutes from now, so uh, let's jump back to the birds. Didn't know when Teron was going to be able to hop on. So I started asking you about Miles Sanders, uh, and we got kind of sidetracked because uh, Teron eventually was able to hop on. I just was doing some looking at Miles Sanders' numbers last night, and he had a really good season. I didn't realize how good a season he did have running the football. He was the seventh-leading running back, uh, seventh-leading runner in the National Football League, average yards per carry. 
There were only six guys in the NFL who had a better average per carry than him. And of those six, only four of them were running backs. You got Lamar Jackson and uh, Murray, who both mm-hmm. averaged more per carry. Only uh, Dobbins, Chubb, Aaron Jones, and Derrick Henry averaged more per carry. Maybe the Eagles should have run the ball more last year. Now that mm. I, in 2020, analytical. Well, that's part of it. Now, you know, Jody, that's why, you know, you bring up Derrick Henry. We just talked about him. He might be the best running back. If he's not, he's certainly in a very small class in that conversation. Um, the more you run the football, the tougher it is to keep your numbers up. So, you know, when you have somebody like Henry who touches it as much, you know, okay, that guy's good. Um, there's a lot of guys, there's diminishing returns. The more times they touch it, those numbers are going to go down. But running is not the problem with Miles Sanders. It's everything else. We, we've talked about this uh, a little bit. Now, you, Deuce, Deuce Staley, the Eagles' old uh, running backs coach and ex-assistant head coach, you still had some problems with him as a runner as well, mainly – Um, taking what's there, as they say, taking what's blocked. Uh, A lot of times, Miles will try to kick everything outside still, and he gets a lot of home runs. So if you want to go the the baseball route, you want to make that comparison, he's a home run hitter, Jody, but he's a home run hitter who's hitting 240. You know, you want the guy who's hitting 40 home runs, but you want him to hit 300 as well. Uh, Now, that's easier said than done. You, you, You know, those power hitters tend to be really, really impactful. And, and that's what Miles Sanders is as a runner. So there's no questions, no questions there other than you'd like to see improve a little bit inside the tackles. And if, if something isn't blocked, well, you know, and there's three yards there, take the three yards and move on to the next play. But the issues are pass receiving and even more so pass protection. Uh, yeah, uh, we could do pass protection, but I want to ask you about the pass receiving because the numbers are pretty stark. To judge the pass protection, you have to watch film and you got to go to play by play by play. And there really are uh, not a stat that you can. Well, the Eagles were sacked. Well, how many times was the sack his fault? It's it, it, it's minutia you got to be able to break down. But the numbers on pass receptions is something you can take a look at and and be able to analyze right off the bat. He, he had 509 yards receiving as a rookie. When he was coming out of Penn State, that was one of the question marks about him and why he was a second-round draft pick. Now, the first-round draft pick was he didn't catch the ball much at Penn State, so people didn't have uh, tape to be able to judge him on how good he was going to be. And damn if he doesn't come in as a rookie and catch over 500 yards worth of balls. Has a really good year as a pass-receiving back out of the backfield in his rookie season. Last year, he drops back to under 200 yards receiving. Something went wrong there. Either there was a massive change in the Eagles' philosophy, or he wasn't getting the job done, or he wasn't on the same page with the quarterback. But usually you see a player step up from year one to year two in almost all facets of their game. That didn't happen with Miles Sanders. His uh, production as a pass receiver out of the backfield <laughs> went, backwards and went backwards pretty damn badly. Why was that? Um, I think it was the little things. I, I know, um, it, it, and I talk about this all the time and it, it comes directly from Deuce. 
if if you're a running back, if you're an outlet receiver, now there are different routes, obviously. In, in the modern NFL, running backs are often split out and they're part of, of, of the progression. But when you're in the backfield, in, in theory, you're 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 a safety valve. Um and to be a safety valve in this league, uh and for a quarterback, they have to know where you're going to be. That you you have to hit your landmark. And it's okay, my first progression isn't open. I go to my second progression Rarely, there's no Peyton Mannings anymore. You're, you're probably not getting down to three or four. Uh, and then you just default to, okay, my running back's going to be here. I'm just going to throw the ball, flip the ball to the running back. That's my safety valve. Nobody's going to be there. And if he's not in that position, it looks bad, Jody. It looks bad. So, you know, we have the chicken and the egg situation, with, with Miles Sanders and Carson Wentz, because Carson Wentz was abysmal last season. We can all agree on that. Yeah. I think even Eagles fans who would protect him, now that he's out of town, would finally admit to themselves. It's like Ben Simmons in the in the playoffs. He was bad. Uh, you got to admit it at some point. People have admitted it. He was bad. But Miles as a receiver was bad as well. So you have this perfect storm of two bad players. You have a bad season. Guys who aren't doing their job right. And Miles was his biggest part of it. And by the way, he acknowledges it. He knows. And that's a good sign. I've said that before. Uh, because he knows he had a bad season as a pass uh, catcher and a pass protector. And he knows he's got to improve. If he doesn't improve, and Jamal Singleton, who is the new running back coach, has said, look, we need these three traits. We need a guy to run the football. That's going to be Miles Sanders. We need a guy to catch the football on third down. That might not be Miles Sanders. And we need a guy to pass protect. That also might not be Miles Sanders unless he improves. Now, that is uh, good to hear that the Eagles are um, cracking down on being able to be a full and rounded uh, running back, uh, new, new running back coach, uh, has got to earn the respect of the players. Certainly, Deuce Staley had it when he was here. We've had a chance to hear from Jamal Singleton a couple of times uh, when they've made coaches available. Do you think the uh, running back room is going to give him uh, all the respect that he needs and deserves as his first year as their coach? Yeah, Jamal is one of those guys I don't worry about because he kind of commands a room. Uh, and he's older. He's one of the older coaches uh, on this team. He's been around for a little bit, and he's an Air Force guy. And, hey, say what you want about those academy guys, but they have a certain presence about them. Uh, he has that presence. You can see it right off the, the, the bat. You know, and Teron, Teron Davenport, we just had on talking about drills. He's already – he's got some innovative drills, uh, uh, ball security drills. He talked about uh, – Teron talked about the boxing glove uh, on the end of a stick. Well, the Eagles do that while Jamal Singleton has a football with a cord tied to it. So he's ripping the football out with a cord tied to it, and you got a guy behind the running backs punching it out with a boxing glove to try to get ball security. It was really inventive. It was really fun to watch. And by the way, Jody, nobody could do it. I mean, it's impossible. And the guys are having fun. They're laughing. 
They're enjoying it, but it also helps them. And hopefully it helps this Eagles running back room. But I do think it's going to be more of a committee approach. I do think we're getting to the point where, and by the way, we talk about 400 touches with Derrick Henry. You can't get 400 touches to Miles Sanders. So it's good. You need a, a committee approach. And they've got a committee in that uh, running back room right now. And when camp opens up, it's going to be fun. That's going to be one of the more fun positions to track between Boston Shot, Kerryon Johnson, uh, Jordan Howard, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, they're not going to be able to keep all those guys on this roster. So it'll be a fun uh, competition. And we know the coach loves competition to keep our eye on in training camp. All right, coming up next. Part of the Malton Mafia. Forget this McMullen Mafia. The Malton Mafia joining forces. Yours truly with our buddy from PhillyWise.com. Uh, uh, Jimmy Kemsky joins us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. They're strong 
And then there's Army Strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Appreciate you tuning in here to Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys. We've got an addition for the next 20 minutes or so. One of our favorites uh, as good a guy covering the Eagles on a day-in, day-out basis. You're going to find Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com joins us. JK, how you doing? How's your summer going? I'm great. How are you, Jody? We're hey, doing very well. Um, I, I admitted this to John last week. That the first time no, I this read... is an embarrassing admittance, by the way. Jimmy. It is. Okay. The first time I read one of your dumpster fire columns... I read it and go, damn, he's being harsh. <laughs> he does realize that they've got this, that, and the other thing. Man, this guy is looking for the underside of this thing. <laughs> and then your next dumpster fire came out. I go, oh, he's doing this. I get it now. <laughs> right over my head the first time I read it, I'm going, damn, this Kemsky is nasty. Yeah. Uh, so once I got in on the joke, shouldn't have been all that hard. Uh, I said, oh, this is entertaining. Uh, but I got to admit, the first time I read it, I'm an idiot. I didn't even pick up on it. How <laughs> Which long one have you been doing dumpster fire stuff? I'd say it's close to 10 years. Um, yeah. I think they started in 2012. Uh, I had an, I had my own, <clears throat> excuse me, my own blog, website, whatever you want to call it, uh, back in the day. <clears throat> and that no longer exists. So the first couple years that I did them are vanished off the face of the planet. So uh, they only exist from my philly.com days going forward, which was 2013. So uh, only I've only been bitten once by a team that won a Super Bowl the year that I did. And of course, that was the <laughs> Eagles in 2017. Well, it's interesting, Jimmy, because uh, you've been doing it uh, for a while now, but you still get those people. You still get those people oh, who yeah. don't get it, who, who don't get what you're trying to accomplish. And one of my favorite parts is you put up the hate mail after you get it done. Right. So you just did that. Has that decreased over the years or just a steady flow? For sure. It's decreased over the years. Last year, I didn't even do it because I got so, I got so little hate mail oh. uh, from the series, but this year it ramped up a little bit. Nice. Was really, I, I was really inflammatory toward the giants. So they, their fan base, it spread pretty, um, pretty well throughout their fan base. Like a lot of, a lot of people read that yeah. one and a lot of people were mad at that one. So, so I got a lot of hate mail uh, from giants fans. And, and as always, you know, I'll get a sprinkling of, well, actually there's usually a decent amount of hate mail from, from Cowboys fans. And then I think the Washington football team fans are just kind of resigned to the fact that their organization oh. is uh, just a dumpster fire, just generally speaking. So a uh, little bit less from, from them, uh, this year and in previous years as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's always fun reading that hate mail, like as it, as it uh, kind of trickles in <laughs> and like, you know, as it comes in, it's, go, it's like, okay, I'm going to use this one. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a, it's a fun, it's a hard series to write because it's got to be on point. And if it's not like, it's just, I know there's, it's going to be scrutinized heavily. So it's got to be good. Um, so in that sense, it, they're, they're not that fun to do. But the they're funded to sort of watch the reactions uh, after they're finally published. Yeah, the Washington football team was a first place dumpster fire last year. That's and right. It, it may be easier to write an ongoing, but at least they did win a division last year. For and sure, yeah. Played pretty good against the Bucks in that playoff game, even though they lost. All right, uh, this year you released Cowboys, then the next day the Giants, then the next day the Washington football team. 
is it the same order every year? Do you move them around depending on which you think is the actual biggest dumpster fire? How do you determine the order that they come I do out? the same order every year. I do the Cowboys first because they're just the most fun to do traditionally. Uh, again, like I said, the, the Giants one was most fun for me to do this year uh, because of how much they whined about um, you know the Eagles not taking care of business yeah. for them in the week right. 17 game against the football yeah. team. So they were kind of a fun one to write this year, but yeah, it's the same order every year, Cowboys, Giants, uh, football team. And then I'll usually kind of go around the league and take a little quick, you know, one hitter shots at uh, all the other rest of the teams in the NFL. And then I do the Eagles on Friday. All right, Jimmy, you're going to help me because as usual with the NFC East, it's become an annual tradition now. It's one of the worst divisions in football. We're <laughs> yes. going on three, four years now. So I'm going to use your research here. What was the most difficult one to come up with 10 reasons to be a dumpster fire? And that's who I'm going to pick to win this division. So it's and, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because it's a it's actually a pretty good exercise for that specifically. Like I remember in 2017, the Eagles weren't really like thought of as, um, you know, a Super Bowl contender heading into that season. But when I actually wrote that dumpster fire thing, like it was hard coming up with 10 things that yeah. year. And then as it turned out, like a lot of the things that I actually had on the list that year, they fixed uh, between the point that I had written that and the start of the season, like. Um, I had said something about the running backs. They traded for JJ at the trade deadline. I, you know, mentioned the cornerbacks, of course, wasn't the number one thing that year. Actually, they trade for Ronald Darby during training camp. So, you know, they, they, that was a, that was a sort of a, a good example of what you're talking about this year. The hardest one to write by far was Washington's and they had some really obvious stuff up front, like the quarterback. I mean, I'm not a Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. believer in terms of a guy who's going to lead you to a Super Bowl. Um, they have some other issues like their offensive tackles are, you know, previously, of course, they had Trent Williams and they had Morgan Moses. They released Morgan Moses this offseason. Of course, Trent Williams went through everything he went through the last couple of years. Now they have a guy uh, that they just signed for the Bears and Charles Leno, and they have uh, a rookie for a second round pick that's slated to start at right tackle. So there are some question marks there. But once you get past some, and then obviously the ownership is, is you know, sort of easy fodder uh, yeah. for that team as always. But once you get past those three things, there really wasn't a lot to nitpick on that team. Like their defense is really good. Obviously their, their defensive line, you know, there's, there's no, uh, there's nothing to touch on that. Obviously if you're looking for negatives, like that is arguably um, the best defensive line in the NFL. I think at a minimum, they're at least top five. Uh, their linebackers are maybe a little shaky because they're starting a rookie there, potentially their first round pick and Jamin Davis uh, and John Bostic is just kind of, eh. but their secondary is very good. Their corners are good. Their safeties are good just a really complete defense. And then their skill players on offense like are really good. You have a you know, legit number one in Terry McLaurin. They signed Curtis Samuel this offseason. They bring in Adam Humphreys. They have uh, uh, Antonio Gibson as their running back, who's sort of a, a, like a versatile kind of threat in the backfield there. And again, it's really just the corner, the quarterback rather, and a couple of spots on the offensive line that, that were easy to pick on. But beyond that, like I was really kind of stretching to get to 10 with that team. Let me ask you about uh, your, again, response to the yet thereafter, be it called hate mail or just uh, yeah. people who want <laughs> to comment on the work that you put forth. Certainly, everybody's going to get uh, responses from other fans out of towns if they read it when you're taking shots at their team. But then you take shots at the Eagles. That's one right. of the reasons why I love it is that you're balancing the scales. At the end, you're going to go, oh, and oh, by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles could be a dumpster fire if. And yeah. you go through all the issues they have. 
do you get hate mail on that too? How dare you, Kemsky? You're supposed to be one of us. You're a Philly guy. You can't point out our shortcomings. Everybody else, feel free. You have at it. Uh, take a knife to them, but don't you dare say things about the Eagles. <laughs> right. How much of that do you get? Almost none this year. I've yeah. gotten some in the past, but almost none this year for two reasons. One, you know, I think most, I mean, obviously the Eagles fans know me better than any of the other uh, teams' fans know me, of course. Um, so th that's one reason. But then also, like, I think mostly everyone just kind of agreed with the points that I made about the Eagles. Like, <laughs> I think the Eagles are very Eagles fans, uh, generally speaking, are pretty realistic about uh, you know how good or bad the team is. So they, they can recognize a, a bad roster and a bad team when they see it. And obviously, the you know the 2020 season, four eleven and one, and they were lucky to even win four, in my opinion. Um, you know that they're coming off that kind of season. I mean, Eagles fans are kind of just down and out right now, and and for good reason. I think you see, sort of see like a little bit of a bump in optimism around this time of year, like after the draft. Sort of like the draft is obviously kind of like Christmas, where you get some some free new players every year, and you, you see some optimism, especially this year with with a guy like Devontae Smith that they drafted. Um, people start talking themselves into, oh, well, they can win eight or nine games, maybe ten games this year. Eh, I'm not seeing that. Like this was the easiest year uh, I've ever had to write about. You know, the, this the series for the Eagles. This is the easiest year that I've ever done this for the Eagles specifically, and they're also uh, the easiest one to come up with. I could have gone to 15, frankly, <laughs> if I wanted to. <laughs> so, like, it, it was it was an easy one to write this year. Uh, I'm not very bullish on on their season. I'd probably have them somewhere around like six six wins, like six and eleven, something like that. Jimmy, you mentioned the owner in Washington. That's mm -hmm. easy. The owner in Dallas is typically easy to get yeah. him involved. Did you think at the beginning when you started, you mentioned uh, about 10 years to now, it's kind of easy to get the owner involved in Philadelphia now sure. as well. How much and has that changed? Yeah, I didn't go there heavily in this one. Yeah. Um, well, you kind of did it with the roster and right, Howie and that kind of thing. Right, where the lack of accountability yeah. for Howie and and how they've taken – they took basically a Super Bowl roster and a Super Bowl team and turned it into what it is. I mean, like there's yeah. just no sugarcoating the horrible offseason moves – over the last three years, both in terms of the draft, the free uh, free agency moves, uh, restructures and re-signings of guys already on the roster, all three er areas they failed over the last three years. So, um, and the, the guys who are who were in charge of that remain in charge. And uh, you're right, like Jeffrey Lurie has got has finally come over some heavily some heavy scrutiny this offseason, uh, notably from a piece early in the offseason from Jeff McLean of the Inquirer. And then a little bit later in the offseason from uh, Bo Wolf, Shukapadia, and uh, uh, Zach Berman uh, from The Athletic. So this is sort of the first time that we're starting to look at Jeffrey Lurie as I'd say he's more of um, a, a, a comp to Jerry Jones than I would <laughs> Dan Snyder. You don't want to be sort of mentioned in the same breath no. as Dan Snyder these days or ever, um, it, just in terms of, um, I guess, uh, his involvement in uh, roster moves and the draft and whatever else it may be. But yeah, he's, he's become a target this off season for some of the shortcomings of, of, of this team and, and rightfully so. You had a theory in one of your uh, numbers that you pointed out it's a seventh or eighth, eighth or ninth about the Eagles schedule this season. And uh -huh. I think all three of us can agree that it's harder early and easier late. Mainly yes. that's because they've got a bunch of division games late, and it's once again not going to be a very tough division. If the Eagles had say in this, which they surely don't, the NFL lays out the schedule the way they lay out, lay out the schedule, and it's kind of you're at the luck and the whim of the NFL schedule makers. Do you think yeah. it's better that the Eagles 
are facing the tougher half of their schedule first and the easier second? Or would it have been better if it was the flip side and the opposite? Started out easier early and then got tougher late. Did the NFL do them a favor or did they actually screw them? So I think generally speaking, you'd prefer to get your easier opponents early because you don't know what's going to happen with, you know, some of the better teams in the NFL, like their seasons can spiral out of control and go badly uh, later in the season. Like for example, let's say you have uh, the Packers on your schedule and maybe that's not a great example. Let's say you have the chiefs on your schedule and you know, Patrick Mahomes and a couple other guys on their team go down during the season. You want to get them later in the season and you do want to get them early in the season when they're at, full strength and they're going to beat you because they're so many good players. Right. So I think just generally speaking, you'd rather get the bad teams early because those teams are likely to remain bad throughout the season. Um, but they're, they're, but they're definitely going to be, if they're going to be bad, they're going to be bad in the beginning of the season. Whereas good teams theoretically can become bad uh, during the season because of injury or whatever it may be. So um, the Eagle schedule, the way it worked out was, if you, if you look at like the win-loss records from their opponents in, during the 2020 season, it's the easiest schedule in the NFL. But, uh, you know, as I noted in, in that piece, three of their first six games are against the 49ers, the Chiefs, and the Buccaneers, who are the three teams that were representing the Super Bowl uh, the last two years. <laughs> of course, the Niners had a bad season in 2020, but everyone kind of expects them to bounce back. And then the other three road games, I guess, would be Atlanta. Uh, who else am I missing there? But the road um, games, and they've got uh, at Tampa or Tampa. They've got early. And yeah, Tampa's at home. The three Tampa's Super Bowl here. teams are, are. Yeah, they're yeah, all at home. Kansas City anyway. here. Tampa's here. Uh, all all the good teams come here, so that's a positive for the most part. Yeah, so that that's tough off the bat. They're they're only actually favored. Like I guess uh, all the point spreads came out for the entirety yeah. of the season by uh, Westgate Sportsbook. Um, they're only favored in two games. Like they're not, they're not even favored against the Jets. Uh, it's it, that's a road game, but that's like a pick 'em <laughs> later. And so there, there's two <laughs> games that they're favored in, and, and only one where there's a pick 'em. So I mean, they're not really obviously they're not thought of as as a contender or anything close. Uh, by outsiders um, or Vegas or oddsmakers or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it, but yeah, I, I do think that that first six games, uh, I, I, one of the games is at Dallas. I know that it's one of the rare uh, division games that they have early in the season, so they, they have a lot of tough games uh, during that first six games. And if the season gets off to a bad start, sort of as many of us I'm sure are expecting them to, you, if they get like let's say they start one and five, for example. Like that's not, it's not easy to play in Philadelphia. <laughs> like once it starts to, you know, go badly, it, it tends to spiral. So that was sort of the point that I, that I was making within that piece. All right. I want to do a 180 with you, Jimmy, because you said it's tough. You left stuff on the cutting room floor for a dumpster fire with mm-hmm. the Eagles to get down to 10. Yes. If you had to do a positive column and saying, this is the 10 reasons this team's going to be better, a lot better than people think. Yeah. Did you even get the 10? Yeah, they'd all be projection. Like, it, it would be just a lot of, like, if this goes right and if that goes right. Like, for example, like, 
the offensive line. If Lane Johnson's ankle stops bothering him this season after it's been a problem for him for the last three seasons, and if Brandon Brooks can return to his play after you know suffering three major injuries in a span of 18 months, and if Jason Kelsey's still playing at a high level at his age, and if Isaac Samuel is fine, and if Jordan Mailata uh, or Andre Dillard become like a good left tackle this season, then yeah, then they can become, <laughs> you know, then their offensive line is, is a good starting point as an offense. If Jalen Hurts can take his game to the next level, if, if his yeah. accuracy can, can improve substantially, if the cornerback, if the second cornerback opposite Darius Slay isn't a total disaster, if their linebacker acquisition of Eric Wilson and uh, can play well, and Alex Singleton can can keep his level of play up. If their defensive line can be the strength of the, if 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 that would be sort of the uh, the the way that I would look at things that can go that right. A yes. lot of ifs, exactly. Yeah. Like the optimistic if. All right, I'll go there with a specific player using your dynamic of either if and it's great or it's a dumpster fire. If I tell you Derek Barnett is mm. going to be one of those two this year. We've been waiting now. It's like three years running. This is the breakout year for Derek Barnett, at least in my estimation. Hasn't happened yet. If I tell you it's either happening this year and, damn, they're going to have to pay this kid because he had a breakout season or pretty much a dumpster fire. And you got to admit, it was a a overdrafted player with a first-round pick. Which one is more likely? He's an interesting player because – an interesting player in terms of their off season this year in that before they got to sort of the, the first day of the new league year, he had a big number coming up because he, they, the Eagles exercise his fifth year option. So he was going to play on the, on the 2021 season at over 10 million. I forget the exact number, but I figured it, like they were going to do one of two things with him, extend him and get his 2021 number down significantly, or just release him the, just to not have him on their books at over 10 million. As it turned out, they kept him at that over $10 million number, and uh, he's going to play on that cap number in 2021. So, yeah, I mean, he's been good. Maybe that's the wrong word, but kind of like he's, he's been like a, a, a respectable <laughs> starter at times during his four-year career here in Philadelphia, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and he hasn't been consistent. So he's a guy, like you mentioned, he was probably a little overdrafted 14th overall. I believe he was, uh, during the 2017 season, obviously made some big plays during the playoffs his rookie year strip sack and the NFC championship game against the Vikings recovered the fumble, of course, in the super bowl at the end of that game. So, you know, I mean, he, he got off to a nice start, but you look at his career stats over the four years and they fall short of what I think reasonable expectations should be for a 14th overall pick. So yeah, yeah I would say that, um, He's got the ability. His ceiling is a little capped because he doesn't have that, you know, appealing athletic, the, uh, you know, the athletic traits just aren't the same that they are like with a guy like Josh Sweat, for example. So I think um, expecting anything elite or like, you know, big numbers out of him is probably unreasonable. But can he be like an eight, nine, maybe get to 10 sack guy? I think that's probably like where you'd cap it. Um, I don't think he's going to be a guy that breaks the bank in the offseason next year. Jimmy, um, you mentioned the odds. The Eagles are barely favored in any games. The over-under, mm-hmm. most places, six, six and a half wins, depending where you can get it. We've had a lot of national guys on this show. No national person, none, thinks much of this team. And most <laughs> of them have admitted it comes down right. to the coach and the quarterback. They're not looking at much else. Yeah. We talked a little about Jalen Hurts, but I want to talk about Nick Sirianni. 
Are you as amazed okay. as me? I look over. I know this is one of your bullet points. You talked about the youth of the coaching staff. That's not my problem. My problem is where where's the Jim Swartz for Doug Peterson? Where's the Wade Phillips for Sean McVay? Where's right. the Vic Fangio for Matt Nagy? What? It, I still can't figure out how they cobbled this coaching staff together. It's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that angle, but you're right. Like the defensive coordinator is a first time defensive coordinator. The special teams coordinator is a first time special teams coordinator. The quarterback coach is a first time NFL quarterback coach. Like the, the most you know senior uh, coach on that staff, of course, is Jeff Stoutland. What is that? What is he? 54 years old, I think. So, I mean, He's your run game coordinator. He's going to help, you know, marginally. He's going to help the, the, the head coach in some areas, I guess. But you're right. Like, they, they don't have sort of that seasoned, um, you know, assistant coach to get Nick Sirianni. Through. And there's a like, there's so much that goes into the head coaching job beyond just calling plays or uh, leading the locker room. There's just so much minutia that goes into being a head coach. It's crazy. Like it kind of blew Doug Peterson away that he didn't know he was sort of getting into that first year in 2016. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very good point. It's one that I hadn't thought of, but you're, I think you're dead on with that. And the point that I'm, that I made in the piece that I think kind of goes along with what you're saying is, you know, Jeffrey Lurie basically admitted, like he said, like it's projection, in terms of what he'll be as a, as a head coach in the NFL. And they, he even, he even said the words, some of the effect of like uh, the coach that, you know, we hope he can be as opposed to like the coach that he is, you know? So like in the same way that you draft, you know, like a, a prospect in like on like day two or day three uh, that you think has upside and is a project sort of the, it's sort of like what they did when they hired this head coach, so it, it can go very badly if uh, if if he isn't ready for this opportunity. Uh, I do think that the enthusiasm is is real and the excitement for him is real, and I do think that the players, you know, may respond to to the positivity and the and and that energy that he brings to the table. But ultimately, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be competent. And uh, I'm not saying he won't be. But it, it's it's a it's you're right. Like he doesn't have that support system behind him either. Uh, should he need it at some point? Should he need to lean on somebody at some point? All right, Jimmy. Since John went to the coach, I'll go to the QB. And uh, you've been doing this a long time. John's been doing it a long time. I've been following the league a long time. I cannot remember a situation like we have here in Philadelphia where you have a quarterback who is so at least in their own little sphere here in Philadelphia universally believed in when it comes to leadership, take control, guys want to play with him. Everybody sings his kids' praises about how it has already become his team and he's the man and he's in charge yeah. and that won't be an issue, but we just don't know about him skill-wise. Can he be accurate enough? Can he do what needs be out of the pocket, make plays? On the run. We know he can run. I think he showcased that in the three-plus games that uh, he played for the Eagles last year. Um, but his passing game is yet to be determined. It's almost always the other way around. That you know what the skill set is. He's a high-drafted quarterback. He's got arm strength. He's very good at this. He's very good. But is he going to be able to take the lead? A second-year player who's taking over as the starting quarterback is rare to begin with. And how he's going to be able to lead and do those type things is almost always what the questions are. It's 
the exact opposite of Jalen Hurts. Is that a good thing or bad thing? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the positives, of course, with the the intangibles and the leadership and the smarts and all that. He's got all that. And I, I think that whatever ability he has, he'll, he'll get the most out of that. And you mentioned the arm strength, which is fine. Like, I don't think it's a positive or a negative, but it's fine. Like, it's 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 adequate NFL arm strength. The problem is the accuracy. And he threw for 52% uh, accuracy last year, um, which, uh, of course, on paper looks bad. Not necessarily the end-all, be-all of accuracy, although when it's that low, it's a pretty good indicator that he's not accurate. Uh, but I took a look at all of his throws uh, during the 2020 season, and yeah, I mean, he left a lot of very makeable throws on the field. In fact, uh, Chris Sims of uh, NBC Sports recently just put out his top 40 quarterback list. Joe Nurse didn't even make it, so he didn't even make the top <laughs> four. I think that's ridiculous, yeah. first of all, that they have him. You know, Case Keenum is on. I don't, I don't even know who Case Keenum played for. Like, I had to Google him to see who. Yeah. To see who I said the same where, thing last week. I said <laughs> the same exact thing on Friday. I don't know. Apparently, he plays for the Browns, so he's the Browns. Yeah. He's Baker Mayfield's backup. So, um, I mean, that's ridiculous. He should be at least be on that list. But the point that he made, I, I think he said in a podcast somewhere, was that you know there were plays that it, there are throws that he left on the table that I, that you know a good high school quarterback would make, and that's an assessment that I think is fair. Like I, I think he did miss some some very very makeable throws in his rookie season, and you know it's a small sample size. It's four. So he played four games at the end of the year. Very tough situation. The scheme stunk. The quarterback, you know, the the quarterback, the starting quarterback had a dreadful season, got benched. Rye receivers weren't great. Offensive line had been absolutely decimated by the time he had played. So there are plenty of excuses that you can make for Jalen Hurts and and the and his inaccuracy last season, but it's gotta improve substantially. The bottom line is like he has to be a lot more accurate going forward in 2021 and beyond than he was in his rookie season. And if he can't, He's not going to he's not going to be a legitimate NFL quarterback, uh, starting quarterback. Anyway, uh, if he can, then he's and there's reason to believe he can, too, by the way, like he was very inaccurate early in his college career and he worked at it and his and his accuracy improved as his college career went along. Now, can he do that in the pros? I'm sure, that's a different story. Like that's a, that's a whole different ball game in terms of being able to improve your accuracy at this level than it is in college. So I don't know. We'll see. But if he can improve his accuracy, he does have all those other traits that you mentioned, the intangible. And of course, the running ability, like in my opinion, he is the second best running quarterback in the NFL behind only Lamar Jackson. Like, I think he's that good as a runner. So he has that going for him uh, at, as sort of a base skill. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like a, a foregone conclusion that he's going to fail as the Eagles quarterback. I think he's got a chance. But I also think that that accuracy issue is going to be a very difficult one to overcome. And it not just has, it doesn't just have to get better. It has to get way better than it was as rookie. All right, Jimmy, to kind of further that with Jalen Hurts, last one from me, uh, and this is nitpicking. I'll say that from the start, but the way they've cobbled together this quarterback depth chart, when you have a young quarterback and there's so many questions, it, it, your third-string quarterback, should it be a Nick Mullins who can play a little bit if he's forced into it, or should it be another developmental guy? In yeah. other words, add lottery tickets. Keep trying lottery tickets. Now, we all know they have the money. They're going to have the draft capital to go in a different direction at quarterback if they want to. But is that the right philosophy, I guess I'm trying to say? Or should they be trying to throw darts at the dartboard with young guys? 
Yeah, I think they tried sort of to throw a lottery ticket in there and Jamie Newman. And I mean, you and I didn't get to watch OTAs this year like we normally would have, yeah. but he must have been awful. <laughs> like he must have just been really bad during that yeah. first camp for him to get released, you know, basically in, in May. So was it May? Yeah, I think so. Whatever, May, June, whatever it was. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, they signed McMullins, which whatever, I think it's fine. Like, I actually think yeah. he, he can maybe compete for the number two spot uh against joe flacco we'll see i don't know it doesn't matter but um yeah i'm with you like if they had drafted a quarterback in on day three i don't remember exactly how strong the quarterbacks were on day three in this particular draft there's a nice little cluster there uh like the kellen mons and the guy from stanford whose name is escaping me and uh, somebody else yes and and there's there's a third guy uh that got drafted right in that cluster um, you know, late in round two or early round three, or whatever it was. Kyle Trask was that's it. Kyle Trask yeah. from Florida, of course, has some. Uh, of course, his quarterback coach was Brian Johnson, uh, yeah. at Florida. So, anyway, um, I mean, they could have gone that route. I think people would have been furious if they took a quarterback again that high. I think sure. they, they were right, maybe not to take one on yeah. day two. Um, but as far as the, the quarterbacks, uh, you know, the backup quarterbacks, you know, Flacco was brought in. A lot of people thought that you know, maybe he was brought in to be a mentor. Flacco spoke to the media and sort of said, no, I'm here to compete for the starting job. <laughs> like he didn't sound like he was super into being yeah. that mentor. Uh, I don't know what Nick Mullins history is. A mentor is no idea. Uh, but yeah, like in the same vein that, that you mentioned, you know, um, uh, that Nick Sirianni doesn't necessarily have another coach with head coaching experience to lean on. Um, the, maybe the same can be said of Jalen hurts that, um, you know, he, he, he may not have like a, a great mentor to lean on in that room, but also, as you mentioned, uh, they don't have a second quarterback uh, that, that has maybe that ceiling um, that, that, you know, they can they develop over time to either become a starter or a quality backup. All right, Jimmy, need you to look into your uh, football crystal ball some 29 days down the road. When Eagle Camp opens is the number one story. And Zach Ertz is still on the roster, and he's not here. Or Zach Ertz is on the roster, and he's here. Surprisingly, shockingly, he's here. Because a whole bunch of us Eagle Riders had him out of town months ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, 29 days down the road. Will it at least be decided that Zach Ertz is elsewhere, either because he traded and or released? Or is the drama going to continue to the first day of camp? I don't know how much they care about distractions becoming a thing during training camp, but if they don't trade them by the start of training camp and, and I don't think he's showing up to training camp, if they don't trade them, that becomes the biggest story of camp immediately when it really shouldn't be. There's no reason for that to be a story this year. So ultimately I do think they'll deal them before the start of camp. I would lean more toward that end than him remaining on the roster. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Howie Roseman seems to be not budging on whatever he whatever he believes Zach Ertz's value is or whatever he believes the Eagles should be getting in return for Zach Ertz. He hasn't seen it yet. So um, the longer he stubbornly holds on to that, the longer he'll remain on the team. <laughs> like it's possible that he goes into training camp as, you know, still on the roster. But I think that would be the wrong tact to take here if I were Howard Roseman and the Eagles. It's only 29 days before you guys get quality grass time and that's right. gets underway. So uh, always a pleasure, JK. Thanks for hopping on. Love the Dumpster Fire series. Outstanding job by you. Appreciate, Appreciate you that. sharing a couple more insights with us here on Birds 365. Thanks, bud. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
Tim Kemsky from uh, phillyboys.com. If you haven't read his dumpster fire, if you don't even know what the hell we're talking about, uh, I basically say, shame on you, your fans. How do you not know about Jimmy Kemsky's dumpster fire series? Yay takes down the Giants. Yay takes down the Cowboys. Yay takes down the Redskins. Yay takes shots at every other team in the National Football League. But then he takes shots at the Eagles, too, which is very good. He does a great job with it. And And what did we learn, Jody? Washington football team, best team in the division. They were last year. I don't know if they're going to be this year. I'll say this about Washington, and we got to take a timeout, come back, uh, put a bow in the show. Their defense, if you just break it down into four teams, eight groupings, offense, defense, I'm leaving special teams out of it. Apologies to all you special teamers. Um, Their defense is the best unit of the eight units in the division. If you're talking about Eagle offense, Cowboy offense, Giant offense, Redskin offense, Redskin defense, Cowboy defense, Giant defense, Eagle defense, the Redskins defense is the best of those eight units. I put the Cowboys offense close, in theory. The healthy Dak Prescott, all those receivers, offensive lines back, Teron Smith, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins. Who knows I, about Ezekiel Elliott? I, I need to see Dak. By by two weeks into the season, we'll be here week two of the season. Yeah. If the Cowboys put up 30 points both in the first two weeks, I'm going to go, yeah, McMullen was right. Remember during the summer when he said, watch out for the Cowboy offense or as good as the Redskins defense? I readily admit you could be very right. I need to see Dak. I need to see him come back. That's I know fair. that he's capable That's of fair. playing. Um, if he is, you're right. It's a very good point. Um, but we don't know that yet. we got to actually see him do it on the field. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, we are the Birds 365 Mac and Mac guys. We'll come back in just a sec. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Final couple minutes here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald. Uh, here with you. Um, do want to put one um, at least suggestion out there for uh, Birds 365 fans. You know Johnny Mac, how big a fan I am. Uh, I am of Peter King. Uh, I think he's uh, as good an NFL writer as there is out there, uh, other than John McMullen uh, these days, and uh, no longer tied to Sports Illustrated, kind of an NBC guy, kind of doing his own thing, kind of independent, and he's making it work for him. And I still think his Monday column is must reading for any football fan. Well, you can't do that uh, this week. You couldn't do it last week. I think it's at least three more weeks thereafter. Peter takes a nice lengthy summer vacation before uh, diving in head first when camps mm-hmm. open up. Uh, so he has substitute writers for his Monday uh, football column uh, over this time period during the summer when he's off. Last week was Will Leach, a uh, former deadspin guy who's turned into an author. And because Peter suggested that I put a hold in uh, at uh, my local public library for his book, uh, first ever full-length book that Will Leach is doing, I'm definitely going to give that a read. Um, But a Philly guy writing a column for Peter King this week. I gave a look at it before we came on. I didn't get a chance to go through uh, every word. But Greg Cosell who's been a buddy. I haven't even reached out to Greg to see if he'll hop on birds 365 with, with us. Uh, but I will, I promise we'll do that at some point. Uh, has been at NFL films, executive producer now on in front of the camera contributor on their, uh, re- highlight show. Uh, good dude guy I've had on the air many a time over the year, uh, wrote a really cool column about how he got in the game and how he handles his job. NFL films, executive producing and all that stuff. And I learned something about Greg today I never knew. And I've known Greg for 30 years since I've been here in town. He, like me, is a big mystery writer reader that when he's got downtime, he likes to read mysteries. Uh, From the ages of 20, whatever, when I graduated college until I was into my 50s, the only thing I ever read was the newspaper. I never picked up a book. I've never been a reader in my entire life. When I took the gig going back to New York and I was taking the train up there every day, you got to do something when you're on the train. I could sit there with my phone if I wanted to, but let me try something. And I got back into reading and I've been a mystery writing reader the last 15 years or so. And uh, he gave me a couple of new authors that I'm going to be able to follow uh, because it sounds like he's very much into it. You ever uh, do any reading, J. Mac, or since you write for a living, do you not need to read during your day? No. Uh, well, writers tend to read. That's how we become writers. So, yeah, I read quite a lot, but I'm I'm 
I don't read fiction. I haven't read fiction for years. I only read, I'm a big history guy. I only read nonfiction stuff. But this time of year, it's all football. So I read way too much football stuff. And by the way, Jody, this is embarrassing, but you know me. I weigh, read way too many pro wrestling books. Way too many. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a complete uh, nonfiction guy. Everything yeah, nonfiction. I am a fiction guy. I don't read not Because we have to do what we have to do to be able to do our jobs. You need to stay on top of what's happening in the sports you're covering or the ones that you're writing about in your case. That's enough real life for me. I don't need more real life thrown on top of that. I don't need the history of this country. Let me get away from it for a while. That's why I'm a complete and utter fiction fan. If I'm not reading sports, I'm not reading anything. I, yeah, I give, yeah, give me the other side of the hill. I don't want to know anything about anything that is real in this world. Sports is real enough for me. Give me a great mystery writer uh, every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Hey, to each their own, Jody. Enjoy what you enjoy. That's what I tell everyone. I We're hoping people are enjoying Birds 365. Damn it, we've done another good show. Uh, at least that's one man's opinion. You think we did okay today? Yeah, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. You're going thumbs up again? Thumbs up. Oh, that is funny. I think yeah. I'm 58 for 58, unlike Ben Simmons. John, John likes to call it inside baseball. I call it pulling back the curtain. When the show is over... The, the website that we use to broadcast Birds 365 gives us the chance to comment on the show. Either click thumbs up or <laughs> thumbs down as to whether uh, you had issues during the broadcast. John's 58 for 50. I've actually gone thumbs down a couple of times, yeah. uh, but mostly on that's just self-evaluation that I screwed something up during the show. Uh, but we didn't today. Thumbs up for me. Thumbs up for McMullen. Thumbs up for Xander. Thumbs up for Toronto who hopped on with us. And a two thumbs up for Jimmy Kemsky, who was great. I just love his dumpster fire too. Once I figured it out, that first <laughs> one went right over my head. But after that, I was great with it. And Jimmy Kemsky was great today. Hopefully you thought the show was great. I got news for you. 22 hours from now, we're going to be right back here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.